The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes ads provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the show, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. www.theparacast.plus. standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, when he first appeared on the Paracast in 2020, Bill Kuzlis was telling us about his introduction to the amazing world of the paranormal, and particularly the Point Pleasant, West Virginia events way back in the 60s, the Mothman. And as I recall, Bill, you got your start from the movie The Mothman Prophecies or the book? Well, you know, I started, Gene, with the movie itself. So that's where it began, about 2003. Now, what impressed you so much about the movie? You know, and I think it's a great question because it's not a phenomenal movie. I mean, it's a good movie. It's entertaining. It's authentic. I mean, the thing that really drilled me in was the mystery of the lead character, what he was going through, all these different things that were happening uh, with this manifestation of a a Mothman-type creature, which is new. I mean, it was new to society anyhow. People didn't really have any history on that. But there were UFOs in Point Pleasant. There were Men in Black. There was Indrid Cold. There were so many different things that were going on. But what really got me at the end after this, you know, suspenseful, weird two-hour drive was that they said it was based upon a real story. So it was that point that got me into finding John Keel's book. And since then, it's been almost 20 years worth of digging deeper and deeper and learning more and more about it. It's, It's just a fascinating story. Now, I understand the movie, of course, was fantasy fiction, but it was heavily influenced by John Keel's book. And Richard Gere, the star, imagine the prestige of all the people who could play a composite of you in a movie. Richard Gere was pretty high on the list, especially in those days. You have to think about it. You have to think about the character. Richard Gere doesn't look anything like John Keel. (laughs) No. Which is probably good for Richard Gere. Yeah. But the thing here is we look at Mothman as something that happened way back when. So what made you want to pursue it further? You know, the more that I dug into it, and interestingly enough, as you just mentioned, the movie is fiction. I mean, it's a very Hollywoodized version of things that took place in the 60s. I mean, they transposed those events and broadcast them as being something that was happening presently, which was 2002. When I went and bought the book, which is so much more in-depth and with detail. And they call it the Mothman Prophecies. You know, that part of it was something I really sunk my teeth into. I think some of the otherworldly 
type communication that came to Keel that he writes about in the book and then in subsequent you know publishings that have come out since then that's the part that really grabbed me because it, it I loved his ultra terrestrial and multi-dimensional version of the cosmos basically and I find it absolutely fascinating it's an endless rabbit hole it's to me I've described it for people who don't know about the whole Mothman prophecies saga if you're familiar with Skinwalker Ranch, it's like a, an older version of Skinwalker Ranch because you have a plethora of paranormal activity. Now, in all deep respect to the situation at Skinwalker, there's some people who have come not to believe it is a melting pot of paranormal events. I've not really studied it nearly as deeply as I have, you know, the whole Mothman situation. I did read a book uh, a couple of years ago about the topic, and then I watched the television series, which I found to be interesting, but I haven't heard anything from debunkers. I'm curious to know what you're speaking of. Well, some months back, we had Erica Luce, a researcher from Utah on the show, and she really put it down. She thought that a lot of it was just to bring attention to the area, and after Bob Bigelow sold it, in fact, I had read there was a movement to make it some kind of tourist attraction. So, for example, with Roswell, New Mexico, we have something that happened. I don't know what it was, whether a spaceship or something else, and they've done their efforts to monetize it. So you could monetize something without having to fake it. But anyway, going back to Point Pleasant, Obviously, we have the creature, but we also have the word prophecies. What did it predict? Well, there were all kinds of things that, that John Keel wrote about in the book. In the movie itself, for those folks who have seen the movie and maybe not read the book or done any deeper research into it, in the movie, they have this Indrid Cold character or ultra-terrestrial entity nobody ever really sees except for one of the characters they never show him on camera but in any event they took that segment and attributed all these different prophecies that keel was writing about to the indrid cold character now in the book that wasn't necessarily the case he was allegedly contacted by other worldly entities that went by the names uh, apple which is a-p-o-l and agar, which is A-G-A-R, and he writes extensively about that in different articles, but they gave him all kinds of prophecies. They were channeled mostly by a lady by the name of J.P. Perro. She was a radio show host back in the 60s out of uh, Babylon, New York. These prophecies that were given were about the Martin Luther King assassination. That was something that was given to Keel, and he attempted to contact King's people to try to help prevent the assassination. Obviously, he wasn't able to do that, unfortunately. But there was also the attempt on the life of the sitting pope back in 1968 also. And that, thankfully, was thwarted. There was an attempt, but it was an unsuccessful attempt. So there were a number of things that were coming to Keel that he was trying to warn other people about, but he wasn't really able to stop. Well, as a practical matter, if somebody, even if he's a published book author contacts the people working with a famous person says, hey, you may be assassinated. Number one, I assume his people knew there was a target on his back anyway and just 
couldn't solve it, certainly with a president. Mm-hmm. It would be that way. So I kind of look at it that way. And if they look at John Keel's background, oh, he writes books about UFOs. Hmm. Why do we want to listen to him? Exactly. He may be 100% on the ball, but we see the problem. But I found that to be really fascinating, Gene, in terms of the things that did happen that he'd gotten information of. And one of the things that he talked about that was so disconcerting to him was when the Silver Bridge collapsed on December 15th of 1967. By the way he you know, illustrated what was happening throughout the book, he felt that something bad was going to happen, but he never could really pinpoint what it was going to be. He didn't know it was the bridge. So that was you know, part of his legacy that he really was very disturbed by because although he received all this information, he just couldn't really narrow it down to what actually happened. Based on the situation, could anything have been done to save that bridge? Obviously, they have many engineering reasons why it failed. They do. They do. And that bridge was constructed and you know, it was basically opened up in 1928. So I wasn't around in 1928 but from the pictures and the history that I know. Well, some people think different. I was, but that's not true. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. From what I have learned, everything was constructed differently back then than it, than it is now. And the weight that was on the bridge in 1928 obviously was totally different than it was in 1967. But they, they pinpointed down once the bridge collapsed and they were able to salvage the debris from the river. They reconstructed the bridge you know, in a field not far away from where the crash site was, and they were able to pin it down to one of the I-bars. This was not a suspension bridge in the traditional sense, but it was constructed by what they call I-bars. And in I-bar number 13, there was a structural flaw that when it was cast and then built, it over time just grew and grew and grew and grew to the point that it couldn't sustain the weight that was on it in 1967. That bridge was loaded with all kinds of vehicles, including semis that didn't even exist in the 20s. It didn't stand a chance. We stand a chance with these announcements with Bill and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Are you watching your retirement savings melt away right in front of your eyes as the economy crumbles? Well, if you have an IRA, 401k, or similar account, I need to tell you about a better way that was revealed by a Wall Street Journal best-selling book. Simply put, you can opt out of the insanity and convert your existing retirement account into the most stable physical asset in history, physical gold and silver. 
Plus, this conversion might qualify you for an IRS loophole that could save you even more. Today, Advantage Gold is giving away a completely free audiobook version of the national bestseller, Gold is a Better Way. Just text the word BETTER to 48542 to get your copy. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. By the time you drive home, this simple step may save the future value of your retirement. It's not too late if you're not prepared. You can take action now and claim a free copy. Text the word BETTER to 48542. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. Message and data rates may apply. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better. Have more energy. April, my husband started taking Extendivite, and he said he feels much better and has more energy. EW, need to try. Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie, it works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. JC, great product, has worked well these last few years. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E.com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So certainly that's one thing, a very old bridge. As a matter of fact, right now we have many hundreds, thousands of structures around the United States that could fail tomorrow. I mean, that's why they had a bill in Congress. It was done by both parties, by the way, to spend money to fix these bridges. So it's not unusual for things like that to happen. Strange irony, though, you say number 13. Yes. Yes. And, you know, through some of the research that my wife Jackie and I have been able to do and working with other researchers such as the Illinois State Director for MUFON, a gentleman by the name of Sam Moranto, we've come up with all kinds of different numerical correlations with the numbers 13, 31, 35, bridges that have fallen. 
correspondences between, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there was another bridge that collapsed in West Virginia in 1904 on the very same day that the Silver Bridge collapsed just 63 years earlier. So there's all kinds of weird numerical stuff. Certainly, this is one of the things where it stops you both right. Well, there may be a paranormal factor involved. Or, of course, it's just engineering. Stuff like that happens. It's unfortunate. Mistakes are made. There's no way, as you realize, to predict in the 1920s what load would be required on a bridge in the 1960s. The only thing, of course, is you'd think that the town fathers, so to speak, in the 60s would look at the structures in their city and say, you know what? Can it handle the loads we're presenting to it now? But that requires responsibility, and quite often with governments, they act after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was something that in the research that we've been able to conduct the last year and a half in Point Pleasant and in the Charleston area, that universally the folks we talked to said, unfortunately, in circumstances like this, for change to happen, somebody frequently has to pay with their lives and, and unfortunately hindsight's 2020 they did enact a number of different bridge inspection policies that i think have benefited different different areas throughout the country since the bridge collapsed but yeah i mean 46 people had to die and their families had to be affected and the communities at large yeah anyway to return to your studies of the mothman episode, the crash of the Silver Bridge and everything. In passing, what's your take on the book that Gray Barker wrote, which is more allegorical than literal? It's fun. It's a lot of fun. The The Silver Bridge by Gray Barker, and you know, came out in 1970, so it predated the release of the Mothman Prophecies by about five years. I think Gray Barker took some poetic license. You used the word allegorical. I think that's a really good representation of the book. I think one of the things that that book did is it really captured the ambiance of the film, or I should say the film captured the ambiance really of Gray Barker's book because he made it very mysterious. I mean, he made it very almost like ethereal. Uh, He alluded to different things. He, He did mention the name Agar, which I talked about a few minutes ago. And he had represented that character that was an ultra-terrestrial as far as Keel was concerned, but represented her as as a different type of a man in black. And it just really, it kind of a strange book, but really fun. And I think it really helps out, it helps to round out what it was like in Point Pleasant in the greater Ohio River Valley back in the 60s. Now, Gray Marker, of course, is often recognized for the fact that he was a consummate hoaxer with his friend Jim Mosley, but he was also a brilliant writer. And when he let the powers go in full bloom, he can come up with some really fascinating work. He, he's very entertaining. I have a number of his books and a handful of his audiobooks. Uh, Flying Saucers and the Three Men, I think, is one of them which I find to be a very interesting tale. They do do too much about flying saucers. I think that's his big one. And then there's uh, Men in Black, The Secret Terror Among Us, which is the first one that I read even before The Silver Bridge, which I was really fascinated by. Now, the book Flying Saucers and the Three Men, that was authored by Albert Bender. But I think a lot of us realize Barker had a heavy hand at editing it. And that's where Bender explains, allegedly 
what those three men in black really were that he met in the early 50s and caused him to shut down his organization and had nothing whatever to do with the theory that those were government agencies. He said it was E.T. After a brief lecture tour, Bender kind of withdrew. He and his wife moved to California where he spent the rest of his life. Somebody or somebody got to him, didn't they? I met Bender. I watched him lecture about this. I haven't a clue. So meaning that basically he might have been authentic and went off the radar because he was scared or he might have made the whole thing up. Oh, he may have had a psychic experience. He was very much in the mysticism and everything. He may have had some kind of weird experience, but in explaining it to people, he colored it in a more physical, acceptable way to be politically correct. And I think that's a good way of putting it, because as I've understood um, from the little bit of research I've gathered about him, it sounded like he was into some pretty dark stuff. And so it could have teetered on some type of negative spiritualism, but maybe he reframed that in terms of extraterrestrials. I don't know. Or he could have gone off the deep end. I don't know. But he seemed like a pretty sane, straight-ahead sort of guy, not the kind of person who was running around the country, especially in those days. This is the 1960s, claiming to have been in contact with Venusians and Martians and Saturnians and all sorts of things like that. So, as I said, he seemed a pretty straight-ahead guy. He did not obviously seek fame and fortune. And there you go. What can I tell you? It may also be that he said, you know, people have been pestering me for all these years. Maybe I should come up with something. They'll leave me alone. (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah. And the interesting thing about him is he had really a thriving business, whether it was making a lot of money or not. I don't know. But he had a pretty good uh, following there for quite some time, didn't he? As UFO organizations, I suppose. But it was really only around for, what, a year or two? Is that all it was? Oh, yeah. It folded pretty quickly. And remember, too, that UFO organizations over the years have come. They go. There could be practical reasons. They can't get enough members. Practical reasons. People just tire of the subject, get frustrated with making no progress. Lots of reasons why organizations come and go. But this one supposedly had a large following around the world, at least according to Gray Barker's book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. Right. A lot of people suggest also, and we'll get into this in other subjects in our next segment, suggest also that that book was the last fully serious, straightforward book that Gray Barker ever wrote. After that, he also played with flights of fancy. Mm-hmm. Except The Silver Bridge being, I think, in another way, a pretty serious book. Bill Kuselis, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz are in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you experience fatigue when you know you should have energy? 
One reason fatigue can occur is due to a lack of antioxidants in the body. This deficiency happens the older we get or due to eating an unhealthy diet or even due to exercise. Your body's number one antioxidant is glutathione. When your cells are depleted of glutathione, you will be fatigued, inflamed, possibly depressed, and may also feel pain. Empirical results indicate that consuming green metal whey protein powder is the most effective means of increasing glutathione production. Green metal whey supplies nature's richest source of the precursor to making glutathione within the trillions of cells of your body. This protein strongly supports the cell's ability to make glutathione. Add to this that green metal whey also supports immunity, energy, lean muscle development, fat loss, and has anti-cancer properties, and you have nature's most complete and strongest superfood. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg wrote a letter to airline carriers on Thursday telling them to improve their service, warning them that new rules may be coming to better empower travelers. According to data from the department, about 24% of domestic flights have been delayed, just more than 3% of them canceled in the first half of this year. Buttigieg added in the letter that his department will have a new website live by Labor Day weekend clearly displaying each airline's cancellation, delay, and refund policies. The State Department has called on the Kremlin to release imprisoned opposition leader Alexei Navalny on the second anniversary of his being poisoned with a nerve agent. The department accused Russian officers of trying to assassinate Navalny, who was arrested after being treated in Germany upon his return to Russia in January 2021. This is USA Radio News. The New York State Inspector General said in a report that a state trooper should have been disciplined for getting romantically involved with then-Governor Andrew Cuomo's adult daughter while serving on his security detail. The report came two years after the relationship and the trooper's apparent banishment to a post near the Canadian border. It was speculated at the time that Cuomo personally ordered the transfer because he was upset over the relationship. The report does not address whether the governor requested the transfer or which daughter it was. A Cuomo spokesman said Friday that he had no role in it. A federal judge told South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham that he still has to testify before a grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia. Graham had asked the judge for an emergency stay as he appealed the decision ordering him to speak to the panel that is investigating whether former President Trump and his allies interfered with the 2020 presidential election in the Peach State. You are listening to USA Radio News. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information, or instant payment email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. 
This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue with Bill Kuslis joining us, his research into Mothman. Now, being that it was an event of 70 years ago, what led you to engage in all the continuous research? That's something I am asked on a regular basis. And I think, you know, you mentioned a little bit before about the UFO groups and societies, and we've had kind of a passing. My wife, Jackie, and I have had a passing relationship with MUFON. Um, you know, the story of the Mothman really pulled me in. I think it combined a lot of different interests for me. There's a part of me I, I know that was really attracted to the entire thing because I was born in 1967. So in some ways, it kind of correlates with me coming into this world. So I think to some degree, I was interested in going back and not necessarily looking at my roots. But, you know, what was going on when I was a little guy, you know, a baby when I came into the world? And this whole flap started in 66. I was born in August of 67. And in December, the bridge went down. And, and so that was something that I found to be really interesting. Now, I'll tell you. Keel talks about the day of September the 6th across you know various different years. And in his book, The Mothman Prophecies, and some of the other works he's come up with, he refers back to the date of September the 6th very frequently. Uh, J.P. Perro, who I mentioned before, who was the uh, talk show host, WBAB, in Babylon, New York, her birthday was September the 6th. Now, in addition to that, September the 6th was also the date that a number of folks, that number of ladies that Keel had interviewed during the course of his paranormal career all had the birthday of September the 6th. Guess what day Jackie and I met each other on? I think you've already told us. September the 6th. Yes, sir. We met on September the 6th. And what I didn't realize at that point in time was her son, my stepson now, his birthday is September the 6th. So we just kept on finding all these different numbers as they were popping up. The same date kept coming up. That drilled me into what's going on here? Are these just coincidences? I mean, what the heck is happening here? This date keeps on coming up. You know, it's interesting here, more unfortunate for me, my birthday is September 9th. Oh, you're close. (laughs) Yeah, close, close. but no cigar. Yeah. So September the 6th was one of the things. But like I mentioned, this brings in uh, several different types of things I've been interested in over the years. You've got the UFOs, because I mean... Those of us in the paranormal community familiar with Mothman, a lot of us, we know that Mothman was allegedly this black-winged creature, silhouetted, dark red, you know, bright red eyes, and basically could take off and go straight up like a helicopter. Didn't flap its wings, although it had wings. We, we know about that. That's Mothman, right? But what I think a lot of people aren't aware of who only know it kind of from the 10,000-foot level is that the UFO activity in Point Pleasant during this time was more predominant than the sightings of Mothman were. We've talked to a number of people from Point Pleasant, people who experienced the lights in the sky that Keel alludes to in one of the chapters in his book that he saw. There were disembodied voices, there were cattle mutilations, there was all kinds of crazy paranormal 
stuff going on back in 67 in Point Pleasant. So it really kind of, it pulled me in from multiple levels, from hauntings to poltergeist to men in black to UFOs and, of course, Mothman. There's just the allure of it is never ending. The thing about the uh, Point Pleasant area at that time is that it, it was almost like a mythological aspect to it with all of the different things going on. As you pointed out, there was UFO activity, and not only was it occurring around Point Pleasant, but it was also uh, occurring across the river into uh, Ohio as well. But then you had the men in black and uh, uh, cryptid sightings. I mean, it's just this incredible buildup of activity going on. For what reason? Agreed. And it was all over the country. Um, I like the way that Keel introduced us to the Mothman Prophecies book, where he talks about how you can measure a circle by beginning at any point on that circle. He said that he was looking for some place to start, and he hit the jackpot when he ended up in Point Pleasant, because the, the activity was off the charts. But to your point, Tim, this was going on all over the country. There were UFO flaps all over the place. There were men in black in Owatonna, Minnesota. I mean, that was going on as well, too. And there were all kinds of things. And I want to say Bigfoot began right around that time, too, right? Possibly, possibly. <laughs> I mean, there uh, there were stories about Bigfoot um, uh, in, in the popular press in the uh, late 1950s. But, yeah, I mean, there was like a, 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 a national interest that was starting to build up around 66, 67 about Sasquatch sightings, especially out in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. Was it the Patterson film that I'm thinking of? Was that released 66, 67? Yeah, it was around that time. OK, OK. Yeah, I'm not a huge re uh, researcher when it comes to Bigfoot. I just know that the timeline of when it was getting more popular was right around the same time as as mothman was so i mean do you think that this was a situation in point pleasant where as often is when it comes to paranormal activity you know when you when you uh, when you get your eyes on it it seems to increase exponentially it's almost like the Simpsons cartoon, you know, just don't look. If you're not paying attention, nothing happens. If you're paying attention, then everything seems to be crawling out from the woodwork. Right. Right. You know, and Keel talked about that, too. I mean, he talked about as you got more and more engaged in this, the more you looked for it, the more it expanded. And even I, I think it's Richard Haddam in one of uh one of Seth Breedlove's documentaries, uh, The Mothman Legacy, that came out a couple of years ago, talked about, and Richard Haddam, uh, I'm, I think you guys are probably aware, was the, one of the uh, executives involved in the, in the production of the Mothman Prophecies film. But he talked about how Keel basically tried to remain as objective as possible as he was investigating all this phenomena. And the phenomena kind of brought him along for the ride, made him more the subject of what was going on than the other way around. We've kind of danced around the uh, uh, the subject of, of Point Pleasant and, and UFOs and, and Mothman. Perhaps uh, for our audience who may not be quite as filled in on this, why don't you give us like a brief synopsis of just what was going on in Point Pleasant that got Keel interested in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate the segue because we haven't given a lot of background about that, have we? 
The uh, the community of Point Pleasant in West Virginia, it sits right on the banks of the Ohio River. It's right across the river from a little town called Gallipolis, Ohio. They're kind of one community, um, symbiotic in the word, uh, that's the word that Danny Bellamy used uh, when we interviewed him, is that they're, they're basically one community. But Rivertown, uh, kind of, uh, to me, it's idyllic. It's a, a really nice small town with a really positive vibe. But back in November of 66, they began having some strange things happen. Now, even before November of 66, there were some UFO sightings. But on November the 15th of 66, Mothman made his way into town. And when I say he made his way into town, Mothman was sighted a few year, or a few days previous to that in a little town called Clendenin, West Virginia, by three grave diggers. They were out there doing their job in a cemetery. They looked up and they saw this black or brown winged being that they described as being a man with wings. And then three days later, there were a couple of couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette. They were both late teens, but they were married couples. And they were driving around in an area that's just north of Point Pleasant, about 11 miles up Route 62, in an area that's known today as the McClintic Wildlife Preserve. But it's also known by what it was referred to back then, which was the TNT area. And a little history on the TNT area is that back during World War II, there was a munitions camp that was there where the government had contracted with individuals locally to be able to manufacture dynamite in TNT. Let's break. We'll pick up on that in our next segment with Bill, Gene, Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions silverlungs.com you'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions the silver lungs generator allows you to make your own so stop paying for silver solutions the unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach see the silver lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com that's silverlungs.com 
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at. No pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream for the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. We continue with Bill Kuslis. Tim Swartz is our guest co-host. Bill, please continue the story. Yes, so we were talking about the TNT area and the fact that local Point Pleasant people and from the surrounding area were working to manufacture TNT for the World War II efforts back in the 40s. As I've learned, that there were basically blacked out buses of employees who were driven into this area, which is north of Point Pleasant, to go in to do their jobs, to manufacture TNT. They didn't really know what it was for specifically. As it turned out, it was for the atomic bombs that we dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So as soon as World War II was over, this TNT area was shut down. It was never really cleaned up. So there was toxic waste basically all over the place, which seeped into the ground and such. And that creates another layer of the mythology of the whole Mothman thing. But as this being manifests itself to these two young couples on on November the 15th of 1966, they were just kind of hanging out, driving around through this foresty area now. And they saw this 
black winged creature with these piercing red eyes and you know it scared him half to death so they jumped back into rogers i think it was 57 chevy and they hightailed it out of there onto route 62 and then took off and drove south at about 100 miles an hour trying to escape from this thing while all the while it was tracking them all the way to the outskirts of point pleasant now i've been up and down route 62 on the ohio river right there because it's right on the banks and I got to tell you, driving the speed limit is scary during the day, let alone at night. So these kids had to be terrified in order to take off and to do this. And they ended up at the police station and they filed a police report that they had seen what I just described. This black winged creature was chasing them at unbelievable speeds. Which, you know, kids, there had to have been something going on if they would take the effort to go and report this to the police. Yeah, you know, because I mean, you know, kids throughout time is like, you know, no, no, we're not going to go to the police. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is a 16 year old kid or an 18 year old kid or even, you know, gosh, even older than that, you don't normally want to go to the police unless you feel like you absolutely have to. So for a couple of late teens couples, you know, four individuals to show up at the police station mortified to file reports to this degree, they, they met with a guy, uh, Deputy, I think, Millard Halstead was his name and they filed reports with him and he said hey look these are all reputable kids none of them has ever been in trouble i have no reason to believe they're making this up and they even quarantined each one of them and took statements individually and they didn't vary i mean they stayed consistent throughout their stories so one of the unusual things about the whole uh, mothman sightings is that there were multiple moth- mothman sightings you know, typically with cryptids they'll be seen once twice possibly and that's ba- uh, and that's it but we've got multitudes you know of mothman sightings and probably more that never got reported Exactly, exactly. And I've got to know uh, Jeff Wamsley from the Mothman Museum, who's also the co-founder of the Mothman Festival, pretty well. We've been visiting Point Pleasant since 2016 now and go out there at least once a year. Uh, We live in Chicagoland. I asked him point blank, I said, Jeff, I mean, how many people came forward and, and filed reports? And what he shared with me was that there were at least 100 people who came forward and filed reports and basically told authorities or researchers, at least two of them, that this had happened. He said the, the odds are that there were at least 200, half of, meaning half of them didn't come forward to report at all because, I mean, Especially back in the 60s. I mean, even now, people still hesitate. But in the 60s, that's a much more conservative time and a much more conservative area You know that I live in. You're not going to bring this stuff out because you're going to be pegged as somebody who's not playing with a full deck. Well, and considering the, the population in that area, if you have 200-plus people reporting this, that's, that's pretty sizable percentage going on there. It's a really good chunk of the population. Now, we, we ran the numbers at one point, and I want to say the greater area in 67 was around 6,000 or 6,500 people. Mm. So if you figure 200 people came out, that's a pretty sizable proportion of a community's population to be coming forward and saying, hey, you know what? Something crazy is going on. I'm a little nervous to talk about it, but I got to tell somebody. Now, of course, at this time, 
or really, you know, afterwards, the, the skeptics always love to chime in and say that, oh, well, you know, these kids seem like, you know, a barn owl or, or, or maybe, a, you know, a, a great blue heron, you know, yeah, sure, in the middle of the night. Uh, but these witnesses were people that were very familiar, you know, with the area that they lived in and all the animals. So I think it would be kind of hard, don't you, to uh, uh, mistake a mundane animal for something extraordinary. I agree with you. You know, and one of the things that, uh, again, I'll bring up the name Denny Bellamy. Denny's been in, I think he told me, over 60 documentaries, which I didn't even know there were 60 Mothman documentaries or Point Pleasant documentaries. But he's the uh, executive director of the Mason County Convention and Visitors Bureau. And, and, and he told us that, look, guys, West Virginia is an outdoor state. He said, we're hunters. He said, the men all hunt. The women all hunt. Deer season begins. We're all out there. Nobody gets shot. We know what we're doing with guns. He said, we are really, really good at hunting. If this was a physical creature, somebody would have killed it by now. <laughs> Do you know, did anybody ever uh, uh, take a shot at it? Not that I am aware of. That's, that's not something that I've actually heard. Because, the, you know, the neat thing about Mothman is, although it scared people half to death, it never really harmed anybody. I mean, not physically. So, no, I don't believe anybody took a shot at it. If they did, that's something I'm unaware of. Well, that's also true with many instances of paranormal events. People supposedly try to take a shot at something, but it never produces any results. Right. Right. They don't play by the same rules as we do. Well, if you look at uh, a, a creature as described, uh, the Mothman, uh, even though it had large wings, nobody ever seen them flap. And it just, like you said, it just took straight, it took off like a, like a helicopter and even with as big a wings as it had, it would it, a flesh and blood creature would need even larger wings if if that would be even possible in order to sustain flight. So there, there there's something else going on here than say you know uh, a flesh and blood physical creature. I agree with you 100. percent I've in studying the whole phenomena over the years. I, I've I don't want to say I've come to the conclusion, but I'm of the opinion that it's that it's not a flesh and blood entity. I think it's something else. You know, whether that means it's on a different frequency than we are, or that it's electrical in nature, or that it's a spiritual entity, or even angelic or demonic. You know, I don't know because I don't have answers to any of that stuff. I don't think any of us really does. But I don't think it was a flesh and blood creature. I, I just don't. I don't buy that. When you also look at. Um its uh, uh, its most dominant feature besides its wings were, were its uh, large glowing red eyes. People said that it looked like the you know that the eyes were glowing from the inside, uh, not not a reflective glow. Uh, and and this is something that you have seen throughout uh, history when it comes to uh, 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 paranormal type creatures. You know, like uh, 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 the black shucks in England, other types of uh, of, of uh, paranormal-related Bigfoot types of creatures. Yes, yes. You know, and I, and there's a popular opinion that if it's got red glowing eyes, it's not a positive entity. 
you know, I've certainly uh, been keen to that opinion for a long time myself. I don't see it necessarily, at least Mothman in particular, as being an evil entity. I do think it's something that uh, we don't understand, obviously. And I think that's a lot of its allure. But yeah, I mean, you do hear a lot of talk, obviously, about some of these other entities or you know energy manifestations or what have you. They're not built the same way that we are. And they have some of those striking characteristics you mentioned. Well, as John Keel mentioned, it, it would almost be like the the only part of this creature that had a substance to it was the eyes, and that everything else was formed around the eyes. And a neat thing about the eyes as well, too, is that those who did encounter it often said that they had a hypnotic quality to them, as though you could see them, and then you would have missing time. And a lot of the folks, a lot of the witnesses had conjunctivitis, where their eyes would be all, it's like an elevated form of, of, uh, of pink eye, so to speak. And that's something, something that's similar, from what I understand, to being in the presence of radiation for, uh, for an extended period of time. For an extended period of time, we'll have plenty to talk about. But right now, the pause that refreshes with Gene and Bill and Tim... And who knows him, who else you're in? The Pentecost. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hey, trader, listen up. The markets have changed. Have you changed your trading strategies? Vantage Point can help you conquer volatility. Learn to trade with artificial intelligence. Text the word money to 813-813 and discover how to predict stock market trends one to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. No matter which way the market moves, Vantage Point's patented AI can give you a massive edge. Text money to 813-813 to get what you need to stay ahead of markets and find your best entries and exits. Text the word money to 813-813. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and texts using automated technology about offers or info by or on behalf of VantagePoint. Your consent is not a condition to purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text money to 813-813. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. 
So let's continue with that. But I want to take a brief foray into another event here, because we obviously before I heard anything about Point Pleasant and the episodes with the Mothman, Bill, there was the Flatwoods Monster. Yes. Have you looked into that? I have. I have. Uh, Not nearly as extensively as Mothman. But the Flatwoods Monster, and correct me if I'm wrong here, was that 1952? That sounds close enough. That was also featured in the book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. Yes, yes. And the Flatwoods Monster, um, you, I think you know a lot about a lot more about this than I do, but also happened in West Virginia, uh, something that I think was investigated by Project Blue Book, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken there. So far, I think we're on track. It was basically some kids that were out in the forest, and they, uh, they encountered flashing lights, and then all of a sudden, really noxious gas smell. I mean, horrific gas smell. And they encountered an, an entity, and I want to say they described it as being almost robotic in nature, but it appeared like a lizard, like a, maybe a nine-foot-tall lizard, if I remember correctly, with spindly arms and like two appendages that would be in the place of where fingers would be and scared the kids half to death. And I think that was in Braxton County, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Uh, the uh, um, the family and their dog actually uh, f- uh, fled in terror uh, mm-hmm. from this thing, which was uh, so tall the top of its head were in the uh, uh, tree branches. They uh, they said that it appeared like it uh, it floated towards them uh, rather than uh, you know like having legs or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I think the fact that it happened, I think it's about 90 miles away from Point Pleasant, just, I mean, lends a little bit more to the mystery in, in the state of West Virginia. It's uh, It can be kind of a creepy place. There, It's got interesting legends, uh, Mothman being the number one, but certainly Flatwood Monster and other things of that nature. It's, uh, it's an interesting state. Yet the Flatwoods Monster, as described there, is a singular phenomenon. I don't think there's been anything else like it. No, whereas with Mothman, there have been other reports of it uh, appearing in different areas. You're right. I've not heard of anything of that nature even close to the Flatwoods Monster. But going forward from the original events with the collapse of the Silver Bridge, did Mothman just take a hike or what? Not 100%. Not 100%. In fact, The way it's been described to me, both by Jeff Wamsley and Denny Bellamy, is that when the bridge collapse happened, that was such a tangible, palpable disaster. It was so serious and so tragic that it really took the forefront. People didn't want to talk about Mothman, I mean, really for a while, because the way they described it, it was a matter of, okay, we had this fantasy going on. We had this otherworldly stuff happening, and and now we've faced something that's so tragic, so serious, so devastating to our little community. We don't have a sense of humor. Our our, our perception, our interest in, in the mysterious stuff, we're going to have to table that because this is real and we need to deal with this today. So to answer your question, there were other sightings that have taken place since then. In the Mothman legacy, which is the follow-up to the first video that uh, Small Town Monsters did about Point Pleasant. 
there are other cases where it's been indicated that people have had encounters with something that sounds very similar to Mothman. Now, how did uh, how did John Keel uh, get involved in all this to begin with? I'm glad you asked that. I was going to say something about that earlier, and then I I went the other direction with it and totally forgot. But so Keel, you know, Keel had been on an assignment to basically write the definitive article for Playboy magazine about UFOs. So he was out touring and doing that, but his work got deeper and deeper and wider and wider. And eventually he knew it was going to have to be a book, not an article. So he and Playboy went separate directions. It's interesting there. Back in the mid 60s. I was working with Jim Mosley at Saucer News Magazine in New York. And one day, John Keel walks in, introduces himself as a writer working for a piece for Playboy magazine. And as you say, it went by the wayside. Yeah. And then it ended up being uh, his book, Operation Trojan Horse, which was published in 78 at the same time that uh, Barker came out with his Silverbridge book. But when he was touring in the southern states, he got wind of something that was happening in West Virginia, and it wasn't Mothman, and it, this was already 15 years or 14 years after Flatwoods Monster, but there was there was a kid that had a cat, and this cat had wings. And so this, he was showing this cat, he, he'd like charge people 10 cents to come take a look at this cat because it was an anomaly. You know, I mean, my cats don't have any wings. So he's got this cat and he's showing it off. And so this is an interesting thing. So Keel thought he'd check it out. But by the time he met with this kid, the original owner was a, a, an older lady, ended up taking this kid to court because she said, this is my cat. I want the cat back. And by the time it got to be a court case and before Keel even was able to investigate any further, the cat shed its wings. They fell off. So that whole that whole story ended up dying before it turned into anything. But while he was around, he got wind of what was happening in Point Pleasant. So he scooted down to Point Pleasant. And uh, Carolyn Harris, who is a lady who we met on our very first trip in 2016, likes to say that Keel came to town. He said, you know, I, I took a job for a week and it lasted a decade because he found so much stuff in Point Pleasant and with this Mothman thing that it really turned into a career for him. I wonder for better or worse. You know, he made, I think, a little bit more money when he was writing jokes for TV personalities. Well, I think anyone would. One of the things about the book writing in general is very few books really earn a lot of money. I think his biggest payday was probably the movie rights. I've heard that, and I don't think that was even really a big payday either by Hollywood standards, but I had heard that he was able to go out and, and buy you know a hot little car, and I don't know that he held on to the money for too terribly long, honestly. Well, I know when Keel died, he was not in the greatest financial shape. Yeah, that's, that's what I've heard. Let's go on with the stories. With regard to... And we started talking about this events after the initial encounters. And you explain why certainly people wouldn't even want to know about anything, especially if they had friends or loved ones who died when the bridge collapsed. What else have you been able to dig up? Well, one of the things that we did, you know, in our in our initial trip to Point Pleasant, 
after, and this was 2016, so now I've been studying this for well over a decade, coming up on 15 years. And Jackie said, we need to take a vacation. We haven't been anywhere for a while. Where do you want to go? And I thought, well, why don't we go to Point Pleasant? Well, she wasn't like really enamored with the idea of going to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, but she figured it was something that was important to me, so we would do it, which is cool. And she said, while we're out that way, I've always wanted to check out the Serpent Mound. So what we did was, it was around the 4th of July, it might have even been the 4th of July, in 16, we drove down to, I think it's Peebles, Ohio, and right on the border of Ohio and Kentucky, and we spent the night, and then we went and investigated or checked out the Serpent Mound, which is really interesting. It's a really neat place, but the whole time I'm just burning because I'm ready to get out of town and go to Point Pleasant. I really want to go there. So we drove from Peebles, Ohio to Point Pleasant. Probably, I think it was a three, three and a half hour drive. And we showed up on a Friday night. It was a little bit after five o'clock. And Point Pleasant is just a little town. So we you know, approached the Mothman Museum, but they'd already closed up for the day and realized just how small town was and didn't really know what to do. And, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I was considering, let's just go back to the hotel. And Jackie says, there's a little lady looking out of that restaurant window at you, at both of us. And I think something's telling me she wants to talk to us. You know what we want to do now? We want to present this announcement. Bill, Tim, Gene, you're in. The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hey, trader, listen up. The markets have changed. Have you changed your trading strategies? Vantage Point can help you conquer volatility. Learn to trade with artificial intelligence. Text the word money to 813-813 and discover how to predict stock market trends one to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. No matter which way the market moves, Vantage Point's patented AI can give you a massive edge. Text money to 813-813 to get what you need to stay ahead of markets and find your best entries and exits. Text the word money to 813-813. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and texts using automated technology about offers or info by or on behalf of VantagePoint. Your consent is not a condition to purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text money to 813-813. 
Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. My name is Stephen Hewer. In 1976, when I was 15 years of age, I was poisoned from two mercury dental fillings. The mercury came off these fillings in such high amounts that I went from having excellent health to having chronic constipation and candida overgrowth. I could barely eat any food for four years, which resulted in adrenal exhaustion by the age of 20. Despite years of diet experimentation, juice fasting, and intestinal cleansing, it was not until I took certain prescription sulfur amino acids that I healed my eliminatory function and eliminated my candida overgrowth. Later, it was not until I began to consume green Meadow Way that I eliminated my mercury burden 100%. Had Green Meadow Way existed in 1976, I could have healed my gut and body decades earlier. Green Meadow Way supplies a very high concentration of the sulfur amino acids needed to fuel glutathione production. Glutathione removes mercury and virtually all other toxins from the body. Set your body free from the burden of heavy metals and environmental toxins with Green Meadow Way. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net or call 888-988-3325. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Of course, in small towns, everyone knows everybody and everyone. So when strangers come to town, was that part of it? Well, you know, this stranger showed up in town, basically in love with the legend of the Mothman. Right next to the Mothman statue, the museum's closed. And this little lady in this restaurant is kind of looking out at us. So I've always trusted my wife's intuition. She's highly perceptive. And she said she wants to talk to us. So I followed her lead and we walked into uh, what was known as the Harris's Steakhouse right across the street from the Mothman Museum. And got to visiting with this lady and immediately was very comfortable with her. I, I figured she was probably early 70s, there about maybe late, late 60s. And we just started visiting and we felt like we were at home. I mean, it was just uncanny. I mean, we're from the Chicagoland area where you try not to even look at your neighbors, let alone have a conversation with them because everybody's just too busy here. And here she welcomed us in, had, had us sit down at a table, just started chatting with us. Where are you all from? This kind of thing. And then another gentleman comes up and introduces himself. And before you know it, the four of us are just sitting down visiting at one of her tables. The restaurant's totally empty besides that. But after maybe a half an hour of visiting, I said, you know, you kind of you kind of look familiar to me. And I said, have I seen you maybe in a documentary? And I think her reply was, I've been in like 15 of them. And I said, really? 
And then she started naming them <laughs> and she started talking about the monsters and mysteries episode and all these different, you know, paranormal shows that she'd been in. Turns out she was Carolyn Harris and she had run this Harris's steakhouse since the 1960s. And unfortunately, sadly, her two year old son was killed in the bridge disaster. So she was very, very obviously affected by what had happened in 67, horribly so, but she turned her life into welcoming strangers to town. And, and once the whole Mothman legend really accelerated after the movie came out, she was instrumental in the festival and helping Jeff get the museum going and everything. So long story short, I, I like to tell people that it was the legend of Mothman that brought me to town, but it was the people of Point Pleasant that continue to bring us back because we've just fallen in love with them. It's such a wonderful community. Now you mentioned the, uh, uh, the festival. Uh, tell us about the festival. Well, I haven't actually attended a festival yet. Uh, interestingly enough, two summers ago, we were on the docket and we were going to be presenting with uh, Sam Maranto, the Illinois MUFON director, about some investigations that he's been into the last several years with the alleged Chicago Mothman flap that's been perpetuated since 2011. And we were talking to Jeff. We'd known him for a few years by 2020. And we hadn't sealed the deal to present there, but we were getting close. And they canceled the festival. Mm. So in 2020, we went back to Point Pleasant. I guess I'll have to back up. I guess it was in the beginning of 2020 we talked about it. We wanted to go. We, we traveled to Point Pleasant anyway, even though COVID was going on, and just kind of hung out there. And we started kind of developing a research plan to be able to come up with a project about Point Pleasant. So we were invited to go back and present, my wife and I, some findings of a study that we began about six months prior to that for the next Mothman Festival. And in fact, in the book that we're going to be releasing next month, we were going to go and it didn't happen. They canceled it again. There are several different people we interviewed who talked about the festival and we shared that we were going to go. So this year, actually, my fingers are crossed, we're only a month out, but we should be presenting at the festival uh, findings that we've done for a study that we've conducted over the last 18 months. When does the festival take place this year? Uh, September the 16th and the 17th. All right. Okay. You mentioned uh, you mentioned you got a book coming out next month. What's the title of that book? So the title of our book is Bridging the Tragedy. Silver Linings in the Mysterious Ohio River Valley. All right. And who's the publisher? Uh, we're self-publishing. Mm -hmm. So we'll be presenting that over Amazon. All right. Fantastic. Well, you'll have to let us know when that comes out. And, uh, you know, I can make, mention it on uh, my Twitter account and other social media. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, now, we have a question. Uh, from our forums, from uh, uh, Richard Hawkins. Now, uh, uh, Richard uh, always has really great questions, and this kind of harks back to what we were talking about earlier about uh, Keel's and Gray Barker's books. So, uh, Richard wants to know, how many of the stories in Keel's and Gray Barker books were based on fact, and how many are conjecture and fantasy? <laughs> you got to be really in the note and try to answer that one. Yeah, that's a bit, little bit of a loaded question. I mean, I've got my iPad downstairs, <laughs> and I could probably dig into the electronic version I have of the Mothman prophecies, but I don't have an electronic version of the Silver Bridge. But I, I would say, generally speaking, I think Keel did his best to be able to portray things that he thought were 
evidential. I mean, things that were factual. Uh, did he take a little bit of poetic license here and there? Maybe. I, I don't know. I, but in contrast, I would say that Cray Barker's work is, at least in my opinion, probably 60% fiction, 40% based in actual stuff. I mean, he talks about some of the same people that Keel talks about. He talks about some of the same events that Keel talks about, but he takes a really broad brush and a lot of poetic license, and it's, it's very literary. He does a very nice job writing it, but I like the way that uh, Keel described Gray Barker. You got to watch him. He called Barker's works faction, like a cross between fact and fiction. Well, Gray Barker and Jim Mosley were well known for their hoaxes, <laughs> having a yeah. good time. <laughs> and uh, even Keel writes about how he would receive strange phone calls from somebody who he said sounded like uh, Gray Barker. And, you know, now that we know the type of person that Barker was around that time, more than likely it was uh, it was Gray having a good time with Keel. Quite possibly. And I think there's a pretty good constituency of people especially when we get to the segment of the Mothman Prophecies book, where John is talking mostly about the New York episodes and the different things that were happening there, that that might very well have been Barker behind the scenes planting this. And I want to say Jay Perro was introduced to John Keel by Jim Mosley. So you got to be a little bit wary of that, right? Remember also, Jim Mosley was centered for many years in the New York area, in northern New Jersey. He held regular public events. Barker would come up occasionally to visit. So if they were active, I can see Keel being a victim. And it's very possible. You know, and one thing, Gene, too, that there is, there's an episode, and the gentleman, I think Richard, who asked the question a moment ago, um, there was one episode within the Mothman prophecies where Keel got duped. I mean, he wrote about a guy, and I'm trying to think of a name right now. It's escaping me, but it'll come back, who had a similar report as to what this whole Indrid Cold thing was with Woody Derenberger. So Indrid Cold was this otherworldly entity uh, basically described as an alien who showed up to this gentleman, Woody Derenberger, along the road on, on the way to Parkersburg on Route 77 in uh, West Virginia. And... Um, there was a guy who also basically said that there was an entity that called himself Vedic. I'll tell you what, before we find out what Vedic, not Vader, Vedic is, Bill, Gene, Tim, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg wrote a letter to airline carriers on Thursday telling them to improve their service, warning them that new rules may be coming to better empower travelers. According to data from the department, about 24% of domestic flights have been delayed, just more than 3% of them canceled in the first half of this year. Buttigieg added in the letter that his department will have a new website live by Labor Day weekend, clearly displaying each airline's cancellation, delay, and refund policies. The State Department has called on the Kremlin to release imprisoned opposition leader Alexei Navalny on the second anniversary of his being poisoned with a nerve agent. The department accused Russian officers of trying to assassinate Navalny, who was arrested after being treated in Germany upon his return to Russia in January 2021. This is USA Radio News. The New York State Inspector General said in a report that a state trooper should have been disciplined for getting romantically involved with then-Governor Andrew Cuomo's adult daughter while serving on his security detail. The report came two years after the relationship and the trooper's apparent banishment to a post near the Canadian border. It was speculated at the time that Cuomo personally ordered the transfer because he was upset over the relationship. The report does not address whether the governor requested the transfer or which daughter it was. A Cuomo spokesman said Friday that he had no role in it. A federal judge told South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham that he still has to testify before a grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia. Graham had asked the judge for an emergency stay as he appealed the decision ordering him to speak to the panel that is investigating whether former President Trump and his allies interfered with the 2020 presidential election in the Peach State. You are listening to USA Radio News. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So there's no truth to the rumor that George Lucas got the idea of Darth Vader from Vedic. Is there such a rumor? 
I just made it up. I like it. I'm going to perpetuate it if you want me to. <laughs> I'll send you the bill. We'll kick it out there. I was going to make you money. You're going to send me a bill. How does that work? <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I haven't got that many years left. So I figured at my age, I'll do anything. No, not anything. I think I still have a few of my marbles. You sound good. Continue with your story there about uh, uh, injured Cole and Vedic. Yeah, Tom Monteleone is the name of the guy. I knew it would come back to me if I just didn't think about it for a minute. So, Indrid Cold, I mean, we talked about him. He's a pretty popular character in paranormal lore. But Vedic is not as well known. And really, I mean, ostensibly because it was made up by this guy, Tom Monteleone. So, in the Mothman Prophecies, there's a section of the book that is dedicated to a kid whose name was Tom. And he was, I think, working as a waiter. And he encountered this guy who started chit-chatting with him at the restaurant, one of the customers, and basically told him that he was from another world and that he was from a place called Lanulos, which is also where Indrid Cold said he was from. Lanulos, a different planet. And so Tom allegedly connected with this Vedic character, and they got into a spaceship, and they flew to this other world, Lanulos. And Tom was gone for like an hour or so, but again, missing time shows up, or maybe not missing time, but more time passed than really passed on the real clock for Tom because he took his wild trip and he wasn't really gone that long, came back to his roommates and talked about Vedig and talked about Landulos, and then allegedly his roommates said, hey, there's another guy, this Woody Derenberger, who's talking about Landulos too, and so really I think what happened is this Tom Monteleone fellow had heard about Indrid Cold and Landulos through whatever media source or what have you and decided he was going to play a little prank on Keel and he got the better of him. So to go back to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, maybe there were some things going on behind the scenes that people were yanking his chain and it's not as accurate as perhaps he portrayed it as. The whole uh, uh, Woody Dar- Darenberger incident with Ingrid Cole is is really fascinating. Gene, didn't you have um, his daughter on your show sometime uh, in the past? Doesn't ring a bell. Okay, well, I know that we were trying to get her on Exploring the Bazaar, myself and Tim Beckley, uh, but unfortunately Tim ba- uh, passed away shortly before we were going to have her on. But Woody's daughter is still alive, and she claims uh, that everything that happened that Woody talked about actually did happen, that she was a witness and her mother was a witness as well to these uh, strange visitors coming to Woody's, uh, coming to their house, you know, visiting, having dinner, things like that. She said that her mother was extremely frightened of these people because uh, she said her mother felt like that these people were up to no good. Yeah, she always was skeptical. That's that's what I've read as well, too. I, I've read uh, the one book of Tanya's about Beyond Lanulos, uh, which was published maybe seven or eight years ago. And she does go in depth and she does back up Woody's stories. I mean, she even said once so far as to call John Keel and say, hey, why did they make my dad look like a crazy guy in the Mothman Prophecies movie? Because they use the name Gordon Smallwood to represent the composite of what uh, Woody Derenberger really was. Uh, in the 60s and, and throughout this whole thing. She was upset because she didn't, I mean, she said, this is legitimate. This really happened. 
Which to me, I mean, that's that's really interesting considering everything else you know that was going on around that area at the time. And in fact, uh, a, a, another writer has has pointed out who uh, he grew up in that area during that time how Ingrid Cole actually became almost kind of like a um, like a boogeyman figure. Uh, uh, with kids uh, uh, for the you know the next couple of of decades, so I mean you know uh, while a lot of people have heard of, of Mothman, Ingrid Cole didn't really uh, uh, get the publicity unless you were living in that area, right? And I think I've also heard somewhere along the line that uh, the Slenderman phenomenon is kind of based upon Ingrid Cole in the way he was described back in the 60s. But that that character has taken on, character, entity, what have you, has taken on a life of its own to the point that there are still documentaries being made today that, that speak more specifically to Andrew Cold than, than even Mothman. Slender Man. Hmm. Well, that's another... Uh, um uh, well, Intercold, I mean, does is didn't emerge from the internet, but uh, Slenderman is very much a uh, uh, like a uh, internet tulpa. Yep, absolutely. That's that's what I've heard as well. Mm-hmm. And almost like a some type of a physical manifestation manifestation of a of an internet meme. You wonder then the reality that internet memes take on. I mean, some things are just silly. Some things are incredibly frightening especially when they get involved in the political arena. But coming up with something that may take a physical reality, that's got to be weird. Well, and that's another thing that Keel talked about. I keep going back to this, but in the Mothman prophecies at the very beginning of the book, he talks about uh, the artist or the, the author who had written a series of books uh, about, the, was, it, was it The Shadow? The Shadow. Yes. And this gentleman apparently was cranking out a novel a month. I mean, he was just really cranking out the literature. But for years afterwards, that house was perceived to be haunted. And there was it was haunted by some type of a silhouette of this this guy with this slouch hat that looked just like this character that the author had written about. That was Walter B. Gibson. Mm -hmm. And he wrote over 300 novels under the name Maxwell Grant for Street and Smith Publications, starting in the 1930s, featuring The Shadow, The Shadow being a pop culture character that was a predecessor to Batman in some respects. It was a very popular radio show. It didn't do too well in the movies. Alec Baldwin played Lamont Cranston, The Shadow's alter ego, and The Shadow in a movie in the 1990s that was stylistically superb, otherwise kind of flaky, kind of illogical, and didn't do so well. So the shadow, who knows? But Walter B. Gibson was also a magician. And he had a vague involvement in our subject here because he was a frequent guest on the original paranormal show Long John Nebel in the 50s and 60s. Yep. Yeah, how about that? That's why I really like talking to you, Gene. You've got this legacy history. I I think you're one of Keel's contemporaries, because I am. But Gene almost got, well, 
came somewhat close to getting uh, uh, John on the show one time in the past. <laughs> Do you want to hear that story? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, so our original co-host contacted Tim Beckley for John Keel's phone number. And he rings up John Keel. And John Keel says, in so many words, who gave you my phone number? And he hung up the phone. <laughs> Our one and only effort to get John Keel on this show. I think if I made the call, maybe it would have worked better because I always thought I was friendly with Keel. But then again, later on in life, he was a little more difficult to deal with. Yeah, I've, I've heard that he got kind of cantankerous and really was more of a recluse in his later years. And, you know, I can see how that happens as health begins to fail and that type of thing starts to happen. Now, I don't know if uh, if John did many interviews at all in his in his life, especially in his later years. I don't think he did any. Has either of you heard the uh, Coast to Coast AM uh, broadcast that he did with Art Bell right right when the movie was being released? Have you heard that? I haven't. I will have to find out if Tim did. We have Tim, Bill, Gene, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com are you watching your retirement savings melt away right in front of your eyes as the economy crumbles? Well, if you have an IRA, 401k, or similar account, I need to tell you about a better way that was revealed by a Wall Street Journal best-selling book. Simply put, you can opt out of the insanity and convert your existing retirement account into the most stable physical asset in history, physical gold and silver. Plus, this conversion might qualify you for an IRS loophole that could save you even more. Today, Advantage Gold is giving away a completely free audiobook version of the national bestseller, Gold is a Better Way. Just text the word BETTER to 48542 to get your copy. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. By the time you drive home, this simple step may save the future value of your retirement. It's not too late if you're not prepared. You can take action now and claim a free copy. Text the word BETTER to 48542. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. Message and data rates may apply. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? 
That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You even see it on the news. How are they able to do that? But the common person can. So whether you're a school teacher, a lawyer, a scientist, a millionaire, a billionaire, or whether you're just a regular blue-collar worker, everybody should learn about the legal, lawful loopholes. And we've got an organization and a group that I am so proud to be working with, American Tax Solutions. GCN has a special deal with them to get you the best rates. Here's the most important part. They save you money and then get part of the savings. This is an absolute win-win solution. You've got to give them a call at 855-907-4841 or GCN Tax Cut. That's GCNTaxCut.com. The only way you miss out is not making the phone call. Make it now. Americans have the most colorful language in the world. And that vibrant language is our basis for thinking in big ways, new ways, efficient ways, and better ways. Americans have freedom of speech. The pairing of our colorful language and freedom of speech has made us the people and the nation that we are today. Imagine what it would be like not having the freedom to speak our minds, communicate our thoughts and ideas, and hear those from others. Americans have a passion for and yearn for the truth. There are those who want to destroy our freedom and right to hear the truth. The truth is under attack. GCN is under attack. I'm asking our fellow broadcasters and you to rise up and help us defend our right to free speech. Would you like to join us? please consider visiting SaveGCN.com. Please help us bring you the truth 24 hours per day. I'm Vincent Finelli. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. So guest co-host Tim Swartz, do you remember the time that Art Bell interviewed John Keel? Oh, you know, I remember hearing it, but as for the details of what went on with that conversation, that has long, long since slipped away from my brain cells. It's on iTunes. I can, I can download it and send it to you guys when we're done here if you'd like to hear it. That has to be one of the uh, really, gosh, only conversations Keel ever had with a radio talk show host. What was interesting about that particular interview is that Art Bell went on for quite some time saying, you know, why have we never connected before? I mean, because then, I mean, he absolutely was the paranormal authority and he didn't have any, any knowledge of him at all. And they finally connected. They seemed to hit it off famously in the interview. It's a very good interview, but yeah, to your point, I, I don't know of a lot more that he did, but I guess we weren't doing podcasts back in his time. Very close to being accurate. Podcasts did not originate until the early 2000s. And I know I had an online radio show for technology, the Tech Night Out Live, which I no longer do. But I did it in the early 2000s, just before Apple added a podcast feature to iTunes. And that's where it started. But that was a little bit later. Art Bell preceded that by a decade or two. But remember, what he did was very influenced by Long John. Oh, I'd have to believe so, because Long John predated him by quite some time as well. And just in passing, since you brought it up, we do have one or two Long John Nebel episodes available 
put together by our old friend Bob Sinati, our staff announcer. And I think we might have one up there for a parent class plus listeners now. There's certainly going to be a more coming later on. Excellent. So you had talked uh, earlier about um, Keel's New York days and uh, some of the things that, that he wrote about in the Mothman Prophecies, but there were a lot of things that happened to him around that time. So we were talking earlier about uh, uh, John Keel's New York days and uh, the, the, the weird things that were happening to him. Some of, A lot of it didn't make it in the book. I'm talking about uh, the uh, uh, Jane Perrow, Mountain Misery, whole Long Island thing. I mean, that, uh, I mean, talk about a, uh, what would the term be? Like a, a rabbit hole of, of mystery and intrigue. Well, gosh, yes, absolutely. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that either wasn't, it was either edited out of the Mothman prophecies about the New York aspect of things, but they did make it into a book that uh, Andy Colvin published called The Big Blackout, and one that preceded that that was called The Big Breakthrough. And these looked almost more like Keel's direct field notes put into uh, a, a chronological narrative, but it gives you a backdrop to what was going on in Long Island, and it was way stranger than anything that he had about Long Island within the Mothman prophecies. I mean, basically, this this Apol entity that I had referred to before is front and center throughout most of this book, and this entity continues to you know represent things to Keel, and they interact, and then he's introduced to some of this guy's alleged superiors, and there's a table of 12 people that are sitting around, but he refers to them as androids sitting around this table and they all move and act and speak in concert. It's just really bizarre stuff, but it, it illustrates a lot of the strange things that were going on in New York, almost at the same point in time as things that were happening in West Virginia. And like I said, allegedly Jim Mosley is the one who introduced Jay Perro to John Keel in the first place. Is there some nonsense going on? Yeah, maybe there is. It certainly looks like it's really far out there and could definitely be that. One of the things I really liked about the big blackout is towards the end of it, there are correspondences back and forth between Keel and Mary Heyer. Now, Mary Heyer was the newspaper reporter in Point Pleasant uh, with the Athens, Ohio Messenger newspaper, who was really kind of Johnny on the spot before even Keel was there. They teamed up and did a lot of a lot of research and investigations into the UFOs and Mothmans and interviewed different people who had had experiences. But um, yeah, that, that book really goes in depth and talks a lot about the craziness. I mean, off the charts weirdness that you can't even, I mean, maybe you can make it up, maybe it was made up, but uh, it takes a lot of imagination. And it wasn't just uh, um, um, the... Uh, um the radio uh, uh, reporter who was uh, telling him the stories, there were several other people as well who seemed to be having uh, uh, similar types of, of contacts with these androids, as, as he put it. Um, so, I mean, it's no wonder that he began to seriously doubt the whole uh, extraterrestrial hypothesis of, of UFOs considering all of this high strangeness that was going on around him. Yes, yes, I mean, absolutely. I mean, he really, he really went 
to the opposite end of the spectrum, didn't he? I mean, when, when you look at the way that he looked at these other entities or intelligences or spirits or whatever you call them, because he, re- he really felt that there was one, some overarching uh, unified field theory of the paranormal, that they're all somehow interconnected. But the last thing that he thought was that they were nuts and bolts extraterrestrial craft. I mean, he didn't see that. He saw them, I think, as what he called transmogrifications of energy, you know, different manifestations according to different percipients. I might see something differently than than Gene sees or than Tim sees or than Jackie sees. Um, he really talked about the interactivity and almost co-creation of these different phenomena. So just fascinating, fascinating stuff. I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Well, that's one of the things that, uh, uh, even though the movie didn't, you know, uh, uh, broach these subjects, it does have that overarching sense of weirdness uh, that that you you really you you get that that you get that impression when reading uh, uh, Keel's writings about the, all the things that was going on with him at the time, and I think the movie did a really good job of of uh, uh, of conveying that. No easy answers. It's just weird. <laughs> And it really captures the vibe. I mean, I've heard a lot of people who visit Point Pleasant describe it as being a weird area. Guys, I don't see it that way. Mm -mm. Whenever I go there, it feels like a down-home, welcoming, peaceful, wonderful community. But this is 2022, so we're a long time removed from whatever was happening there then. The movie does capture the vibe really super well. How big a town is Point Pleasant? Can you tell us more about it? It's Well, it's less than 5,000 people. It's a river town, so it's really long, but it's not very deep. So, I mean, it basically grew up on the West Virginia side of the Ohio River, and it's it's a river town. It's It's agricultural, which is kind of odd to the state of West Virginia because most of West Virginia is mountains. But what you find there is people are very welcoming. They're very conversational. It's become such a cultural phenomenon over the last 20 years, really since the release of the movie, that it's considered the Roswell of the East now. So you've got Roswell, New Mexico, and then you've got Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Kind of, you hear it a lot in the same conversations anymore. Very welcoming community, totally thriving based upon the Mothman legend. Uh, the Mothman Festival brings around 15,000 people to town, but uh, as Benny had mentioned, uh, he had said that we shut the festival down here last year, he said, and we didn't skip a beat, because what ended up happening is all those people who would have come to the festival, they came on their own. So you've got people, tourists, every single day taking their picture with a statue of the Mothman that's right next to the museum. And the community has just embraced the legend, embraced the visitors, and they've got that down-home Southern charm. They're just kind-hearted, nice folks. That steakhouse you mentioned, that restaurant, still around? Unfortunately, no. No. And over the years, uh, as Jeff had described to me, Carolyn never really made a lot of money there. So she basically, you know, she'd sell her hamburgers and steaks and things like that and really think of it as more of like a a greasy spoon than really a steakhouse. That was just the name. But basically, um, 
after she passed away, unfortunately, just five months after we met her, she had a heart attack on Christmas Day. She passed away the next day. After she died, Jeff basically contacted the estate and was able to salvage some of the some of the things that were in there like the countertop and the bar stools and he's moved those into his museum and he has a wing now a small wing of the mothman museum that's dedicated to the harris's steakhouse and to carolyn harris more to come with bill and gene and tim you're in the paracast for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S dot com. I need a copy of my tax return. How do I get one? If you don't have a copy of your original tax return, you can get a transcript of your tax return for free from the IRS. A transcript shows most line items from your return, which is usually all you need. You can order a transcript of any return filed within the past three years, including Forms 1040, 1040A, and 1040EZ. All you need to do is go to irs.gov transcript to order your transcript today. Seven million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So is Point Pleasant the kind of place where you have one or two diners as the main restaurants? It was, you know, when we first started going there about six years ago. But what's happened the last six or seven years has been that this Mothman thing has grown. So many people are coming to town. Now they have uh, like a Thai restaurant that you can walk to that's more of a chain type of a restaurant. There is a Village Pizza. Now, Village Pizza originally was located on the site of what was Tiny's restaurant or groceries back during the Mothman days. So it's got the whole mothman vibe there so that's a really neat place to go to but honestly when the silver bridge collapsed a lot of the commerce 
from the Ohio side, they couldn't come over to Point Pleasant. So they started losing a lot of businesses. So a lot of the dining establishments, the hotels, things of that nature, they're on the Gallipolis, Ohio side of the bridge. Uh, so yeah, a handful of restaurants, they're growing. People are opening up ice cream stores. It's, it's, on, the, it's on the rise, but still small, small town feel for the most part. Now they built a, uh, uh, another bridge to replace the Silver Bridge. So they built it in the uh, same location? No, actually, and that's been kind of a bone of contention for the people of Point Pleasant for over 50 years now, because what, what ended up happening was when the bridge collapsed, that main thoroughfare, it was an interstate highway, went right through downtown Point Pleasant, which again was great in the 20s and the 30s and probably in the 40s and the 50s. It got to be a little bit too much traffic. By the time the 60s came around, you've got these 18 wheelers that would be rolling through town. And long story short, they decided to erect the new bridge up the river a ways. And now it actually, that, that thoroughfare, I think it's Route 35 now bypasses Point Pleasant. So it's I think it's about maybe a mile and a half, two miles from where the original intersection was. But what that did to Point Pleasant was it it devastated them economically. Because if you think about all that traffic, this was the main conduit from the east to the west and even really the north and the south that went right through Point Pleasant. Now it's relocated. So they were missing out on all that traffic that wasn't necessarily local, people who would stop for gas, people who would stop for food, uh, whatever they might get in Point Pleasant, most of them drove by it now. So to answer the question, no, it's not in the same place. It's not far, but it's far enough that it hasn't been friendly to the community of Point Pleasant from a business standpoint. Hey, you mentioned a uh, a Mothman museum in town. I mean, uh, is is there enough material to actually uh, fill a museum? There really is. It's uh-huh. a really neat place. It's a really neat place. What Jeff Wamsley has there is uh, what I would call a gold mine. He has an unbelievable business there, and what he has is memorabilia from the movie. He's got the telephone that was in the hotel room that Richard Gere was getting pranked by allegedly Indrid Cold. He's got that phone in there. He has other movie props. He has uh, the police officer who he spent time with, who was based upon Mary Heyer, uh, Connie. They have her police uniform on the wall there. They have all kinds of other memorabilia in the museum aspect of things. And they have the letters they have the, the not the letters. I'm sorry, but they they have, they do have letters from John Keel, but they also have the I want to say confessions, but that's not the right word. They're the police reports. Steve and Mary Millette and Roger and Linda Scarberry wrote out, and my wife caught this. Interestingly enough, they have all these handwritten reports in you know plastic and basically displayed in the in the museum, and there are 13 pages. Exactly 13 pages of report, of reports of these four individuals. Now, of the uh, the people who had, who originally reported the Mothman sightings, are there anybody that's uh, still alive? The you know? original witnesses, um, Linda Scarberry has since passed away. I'm not sure if... Roger Scarberry is still around or alive. I know he's not around Point Pleasant. I know he moved away. And according to Denny Bellamy, he's never, ever come back to town. 
Mm. Uh, there is a lady by the name of Faye DeWitt. She's been in a number of different documentaries, and she's also in the book, The Mothman Prophecies. She's still alive. I haven't met her. Uh, I think she lives in North Carolina, but she'll probably be at the festival. And in terms of eyewitnesses, when we asked Carolyn if she had seen Mothman, she said, no, she did not. So we asked her about UFOs, and she said, I didn't see UFOs. I didn't believe in UFOs, but then my brother told me one landed in his yard. She said, what I did see were the lights in the sky, because that was another thing that was going on big time in the 60s were these really beautiful lights in the sky. She said, you couldn't even really describe them, but they were the prettiest lights that I've ever seen. So of the people that we interviewed, there were 11 of them. There were a couple of people who had had paranormal experiences but they didn't directly, they weren't in the Point Pleasant area, they were in the Charleston area. So the people that I've talked to, I haven't, I haven't met a witness of Mothman firsthand. Now you said that they had paranormal experiences. What do you mean by that? Well, there were a couple things that were described um, by one lady who we interviewed by the name of Harriet, and she had had UFO experiences coupled with missing time. And since that point in her life, she has basically gained all kinds of different abilities, uh, including a, a 160 IQ, and she has uh, psychic gifts. She actually, this was really bizarre. When we first started talking to her, uh, we coordinated Zoom meetings during COVID with her, and she's in the Ohio area, and we're in northern Illinois, so it's not easy to get together with her. We haven't actually met her in person yet, except online. But she's one that's been known to be able to medically intuit people's physical conditions just by talking to them. And as she and I were talking over the phone, I was describing some back pain that I was having. I've struggled with back pain for many years. And she said, I'm getting a vibe from you. And I think I think you might. And this is, doesn't sound like back. But she said, I think you might have diverticulitis. And I'd heard of that before, but I didn't know much about what that was. And literally within the same week. I had some other physical issues and had to experience my very first and only ambulance ride to the ER for, for a condition that was similar to that diverticulitis, which was just bizarre. So Harriet had had some experiences. Andy, who I'd spoken of earlier, had had some experiences, that, and he had actually claimed to have seen Mothman a couple of times and built a shrine to Mothman and had a vision of, of 9-11 that back in the 60s of the towers basically crumbling in New York City, you know, decades later. So those were the two people that actually had um, experiences that I would call paranormal. The rest of the people were on the, on the other end of the spectrum in terms of what our book is about, which is about the trauma that happened to the people who experienced the Silver Bridge collapse in the community. So the rest of the people we interviewed weren't really necessarily along the Mothman lines so much as they were, they talked about Mothman, they looked for Mothman, they didn't find Mothman, but they did endure the bridge disaster, and they had a big story to tell about that. If there was no Mothman, that would be a big story. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think the fact that those instances happened at the same time makes it really easy to tie them together. But I can share with you that during our study, one of the things that was told to us was before you come to Point Pleasant, 
to interview people, be really careful about the way you talk about Mothman and its relationship to the Silver Bridge. Because if you're going to come here into my town and you're going to talk about you know, what you're going to talk about, what you're going to interview about, you need to be sensitive to that. So we were really careful to kind of keep those two things separate from one another, at least in the conversations. I want to ask you on the other side about the reconstruction of a bridge there. Were there engineering reasons to put it in another locale? Obviously, it had a harmful effect on the success of Point Pleasant. But we have to think here, sometimes you you want to build something so that it sustains itself for a longer period of time, more solid ground, whatever. Just wondering about that. Is that anything that you have actually looked into? Bill Kuzelis is joining us, talking about Mothman, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and a lot more to go. We have Tim Swartz. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in. The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. In the 1800s, there were 160 spas set up in Europe to dispense fresh liquid whey. The sick would recover their health and the age would become rejuvenated. There's only one whey protein powder on the market that can generate and surpass the results seen in the whey spas in Europe. But first, let me tell you the story of 90-year-old Mary, who was semi-bedridden and in hospice care. Mary had been consuming only a pea protein and pasteurized milk drink. Then Mary was put on to Green Meadow Whey mixed with raw milk. She was given two to three whey drinks per day. On the very first day, Mary was up and came into the kitchen and made chicken soup. She was on her feet for many hours. Three days later, Mary had gained two and a half pounds of healthy weight. Green Meadow Way is health-giving to both young and old. Green Meadow Way is guaranteed to make you feel better, stronger, reduce your inflammation, and eliminate virtually all toxins from your body without feeling sick. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. about to give you a life-changing URL that if you will simply visit it and give these tax consultants a call, it will change your life. Whether you're a blue-collar worker or whether you're a school teacher or whether you're a scientist or whether you're a millionaire, almost no one out there is taking advantage of legal, lawful tax loopholes. Go to GCNTaxCut.com that takes you right to American Tax Solutions and they will give you an amazing preview of what they can do for you. GCNTaxCut.com, GCNTaxCut.com.
Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. Shopsupertea.com. Hosea works on a farm. Safety is important. His boss calls 811 to determine where it's okay to dig. This protects Jose from hitting an underground line and from serious injury. Because Jose can't tell exactly where or how deep the lines are, he doesn't dig until 811 tells him it's safe. The most important thing is that Jose works safe and goes home to his family. For more information, visit farmsafe811.org. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So again, Bill, the negative effects of rebuilding that bridge elsewhere, why did they do it? So the president at the time was Lyndon B. Johnson. And he declared the area a disaster area, which qualified it for federal funding in addition to state funding to be able to reconstruct a bridge. He knew how vital it was not only to the community, but also to the traffic that was really utilizing this as the conduit to go from east to west and vice versa. So they basically set a line in the sand and he and the the governor of West Virginia devised a plan to get this thing built in two years. So when they began the bridge, and I don't know, you know I've, the people that I've talked to about this in Point Pleasant for our study, uh, Rick Handley, who's a roads commissioner, Denny Bellamy, we've st- spoken of quite considerably here. And then a gentleman I haven't mentioned yet by the name of Jimmy Wedge. Uh, Jimmy was actually the coach of the Point Pleasant basketball team, who, and he, during the game, uh, he already knew the bridge had collapsed. What he didn't know is his mom and dad were on the bridge and he lost both of them. But they all basically said and kind of agreed, and this is my thought process as well, that they put the bridge up as quickly as they possibly could. They chose the site that made the most logical sense. I don't know if it had anything to do with the infrastructure. I've got to believe there was some type of a study done by the powers that be to come up with the best location for it. And this is something also that was spoken to by a number of our participants. Had that bridge been built, through Point Pleasant, they were already at the point. The infrastructure of the town couldn't handle the traffic that was going through the town. So to put it where they did really kind of opened things up really for commerce and for commuters to get to the various places they needed to go to, to the detriment of Point Pleasant. So I don't think it was devised, certainly not for any ill will or any other reason than this made the best logical sense and they needed to act fast. You had talked about how People in town are sensitive about 
asking the questions about the Silver Bridge and, and, and Mothman. Is there a consensus in town that the two are connected or just a coincidence? I think that's a great question. And I would say that probably the greater portion of the community, even Jeff, who is very noncommittal when it comes to Mothman. I mean, he's built a wonderful business based around Mothman. But one of the things he does very, very well is he doesn't draw any conclusions. He allows individuals to come up with their own you know, curious conclusions of what they think it was. But to answer your question more directly, I would say there are probably more people in Point Pleasant that lean towards it being a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them didn't believe Mothman was even real. I would say of the 11 people that we interviewed, at least three of them thought it was just complete nonsense and made up. Um, one of them thought that the Scarberries and the Millettes were going to be in trouble with their parents, even though they were married couples, and thought that they needed to make up a story when they went to the police department to protect themselves from being out too late. So I've heard that report. I would say probably largely Point Pleasant leans towards them being coincidental, and whatever Mothman was, it was a neat thing, and we're glad because our community is on the rise again now because of it, but I don't even know that they really believe it for the most part. For people who were living in town at that time, I mean, there was so much more going on, as Keel had pointed out. I mean, there were you know, the UFOs, of course, and, and the men in black. I mean, Mary uh, Hire himself had unusual, let me put, put it that way, visitors to her office. <laughs> that lady had nerves of steel. <laughs> she had nerves of steel because absolutely, I mean, the the freaky guys that showed up in her office telling her that John Keel was a fraud, stay away from him, he's nothing but trouble. I, I really used to like Keel, but then I picked up uh, something he published 15 minutes ago. <laughs> and then he shows up in her office and says, stay away from him because he's a liar and all this type of thing. It's, yeah, she had nerves of steel because one of them actually told her, what would you say if we told you to stop investigating this stuff? And she said, well, I'd tell you to go to, you know, where, you know, and that was that. But she just kept about her business and she kept on reporting. Absent the Silver Bridge collapse, how much attention would the Mothman episodes have been given i think the silver bridge collapse you know unfortunately because it happened and all the people's lives were taken and families and community affected sadly but i think it put an exclamation point on the stuff that was reported for the year the 13 months before the bridge collapsed i think absolutely had that not happened we might not be having this conversation right now i think it's that critical to the mythology of the Mothman story, that without it, it's just not that big of a deal. The image in the Silver Bridge book, as I recall, I almost felt the Mothman was the banshee warning of death. And I would say that I agree with that wholeheartedly, just based upon the things that I've read. The the other people who are as into this as I am, I mean, we're all really pretty similar to thinking that this was a harbinger. This was something that was there really to warn that there was some bad stuff going on and you really need to pay attention. I think conclusion is too strong of a word. I don't want to use that, but that's that's where my thought process lies. I think that that's what it was, some type of energy that was warning. Well, 
One of the people that uh, that you talked to, you referred to as Andy, I think, uh, is Andy Colvin? Yeah. You know, he he talks about how there were all kinds of, of strange things going on in that area uh, when, when he was a kid. He referred to, like, you know, uh, government, secret government think tanks, a, uh, a, 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 a school for special kids, things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what uh, you know? What what's your opinion of that? I mean, he's not the only one that has talked about things like that in that area at the time. So, Andy's a really good friend of mine. Uh, we met online a couple of years ago, and he's a rather controversial figure in the paranormal community. But to get to know him on a personal level, he's awesome. And he's become a very good friend of mine and Jackie's. And we've gotten to know him quite well. We went out to visit him for the first time live and in person uh, last November and spent a day with him and with his wife. And uh, the things that he's written, the stuff that he's drilled into, the the loose ends that he ties together, uh, combining conspiratorial, combining uh, spiritual beliefs, the the whole mindset of Mothman being a Garuda, and then really what he has stated uh, significantly in his books, he talks a lot about what happened in Mound, West Virginia, which is where he's from. That's where he and Harriet are from. The Harriet that I was referring to is mentioned uh, in several of his books as well. They're very good friends, and um, she, they're both in our book. Um, He's got some really interesting stuff that's happened. And, and I can tell you, uh, one of the first trips, not the one of the first trips, uh, two years ago, Jackie and I went to Point Pleasant. And this is before we'd really gotten to be friends with Andy, but we were still corresponding a little bit. Let us break. We'll have more with Bill, Gene, Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Let's face it, food shortages are a real threat now. Supply chain breakdowns, inflation, fuel prices, global conflicts, fertilizer cutbacks, farmers being encouraged not to plant. The stage is set for the peanut butter to hit the fan. But for some reason, Americans are still in denial about food shortages. Listen, we don't take risks with other things in our lives, so why take risks with your food security? Those who know what's coming are using today to prepare. Millions of Americans have purchased Ready Hour Emergency Food from My Patriot Supply, the brand people look for when they're ready for real preparedness. MyPatriotSupply.com is America's largest preparedness company. Get stocked up on emergency food that lasts up to 25 years in storage to get you through tough times ahead. Your other choice is to stand in government food lines, hoping for a handout. As we both know, that's not an option. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg wrote a letter to airline carriers on Thursday telling them to improve their service. 
warning them that new rules may be coming to better empower travelers. According to data from the department, about 24% of domestic flights have been delayed, just more than 3% of them canceled in the first half of this year. Buttigieg added in the letter that his department will have a new website live by Labor Day weekend, clearly displaying each airline's cancellation, delay, and refund policies. The State Department has called on the Kremlin to release imprisoned opposition leader Alexei Navalny on the second anniversary of his being poisoned with a nerve agent. The department accused Russian officers of trying to assassinate Navalny, who was arrested after being treated in Germany upon his return to Russia in January 2021. This is USA Radio News. The New York State Inspector General said in a report that a state trooper should have been disciplined for getting romantically involved with then-Governor Andrew Cuomo's adult daughter while serving on his security detail. The report came two years after the relationship and the trooper's apparent banishment to a post near the Canadian border. It was speculated at the time that Cuomo personally ordered the transfer because he was upset over the relationship. The report does not address whether the governor requested the transfer or which daughter it was. A Cuomo spokesman said Friday that he had no role in it. A federal judge told South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham that he still has to testify before a grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia. Graham had asked the judge for an emergency stay as he appealed the decision ordering him to speak to the panel that is investigating whether former President Trump and his allies interfered with the 2020 presidential election in the Peach State. You are listening to USA Radio News. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, before you go on, Andrew Colvin is a friend of the show. He's been on three times so far since 2011. And he just has so many unusual stories to tell. You were telling us about meeting up with him? Yeah, yeah. And even before we met him in person um, the previous year, we had gone to the area that he grew up in. And we've been there a couple of times. And we've done ghost box sessions. And I'm not a big ghost box guy. I'd never done it before. And we had a couple of different sessions right around the area where he experienced things. And the first one that we did was in the parking lot of a church that he's referred to in a couple of his books called the Bethel, I guess the Bethel Assembly Church. 
And as we were sitting in there, one of the people in the car with us had the, the blindfold on sensory deprivation type thing going on with the noise canceling headphones and you know alternating AM, FM signals. And Jackie and I were asking questions and this other young lady was answering the questions. And it got really freaky because she was giving us reports of there's a man behind us and we turned around and there was a guy standing on the porch watching us at the house right next door to the church and there was a woman over here and i we started jackie and i started sensing feeling the sensation around our crown chakra and the third eye area that we were electrically being pulled upwards it wasn't painful but it was like a kind of like that sensation of when you you cross your legs too long and your leg goes to sleep and then it wakes up again but this was happening in our heads and i got really kind of bugged by it and and i said should we leave here and immediately the lady with the blindfold on and the noise canceling headphones said undeniable <laughs> so i stepped on the gas we hightailed it out of there that was adventure number one adventure number two was way more significant than that we went back to a similar location but in a place called bird mountain which is right down the road from where that church was and this time jackie and the other lady had the the whole ghost box thing going on and i was asking questions but we also had andy and harriet on a zoom meeting and they were answering questions and it, they were asking questions jackie was answering questions and at one point jackie took her she, she just whipped off the the headphones and she said why are you guys shaking the car well the car was not moving and harriet said they're trying they're fighting to come through you what harriet basically said was you have got some type of thing going on here right now where there are spirits that are trying to get you and they're fighting to come out and that's that's just part of the story but i mean just just phenomenal energy in that area yeah i highly recommend andy's uh, uh mothman photographer uh, photograph books very good they, they really are. They're not for the faint of heart, though, are they? No, no, they're not. <laughs> but I think that's what makes them unique and really worth reading. They, they do. And thank you for saying that. Like I say, he's become a very good friend of mine, and um, he's really been a real big help with us helping our, helping us with our book. Yeah, I mean, when I first started reading his stuff, I thought, dude, you are way out there. And then I started kind of connecting the dots and following things and, and, you know, this word synchronicity that we hear so much about, all kinds of things like that started happening in my life as well, too. I don't believe everything that he's got in there, but I certainly am curious about the things that he says because he makes some awesome points. If somebody were to go to uh, a Point Pleasant now, and, and not like during the festival, just you know, just a normal time. I mean, you know, especially around some of these areas where the original sightings were—the TNT area, the abandoned electrical plant. You know, what what would they find now? So the main place I think that tourists need to go to when they visit Point Pleasant. First, you got to check out Just Museum, but. You have to go to the TNT area or what's known today as the McClintic Wildlife Preserve, because what you have in the McClintic Wildlife Preserve is that where they manufactured and stored the TNT, they had put it inside of uh, what are referred to as igloos. Obviously, they're not real igloos. They're constructed of concrete and reinforced, but they're bunkers. They're overgrown with all kinds of foliage, you know, it's a foresty area and it's a swampy area and it's a spooky, spooky area. That's where the Millets and the Scarberries had their initial encounters. So the that's the first thing I'd recommend is 
drive through that area in the dead of the night, listen to either the soundtrack to the Mothman Prophecies movie or or listen to the Mothman Prophecies audiobook and just get yourself really freaked out. That's the first place you need to go after the Mothman Museum, but also uh, to the point, uh, right where the Kanawha and Ohio Rivers meet. And I don't know if I'm sure you're probably aware of this, but George Washington really named the area uh, when he was surveying the land of what was then Virginia, and he came to the intersection of the rivers, and he said, this is a very pleasant point. So that name stuck, and they ended up turning the words around into Point Pleasant, but it's a beautiful, beautiful area. The name of the park that that is is called Tuendi Way. And it basically means where two rivers meet. And so that's a really neat place to go as well. Now, when we look at the paranormal world, you like to think everybody's into it. And certainly ghost shows are popular. But as a matter of fact, when it comes to something like Mothman, it's a small number of people. Maybe that's the reason why the movie The Mothman Prophecies barely made back its budget. You know, it's funny, Gene, because I, as you can tell, just from talking to me for the second time now, I'm a fanatic when it comes to this stuff. I've been into it for going on 20 years. And I think whenever we're really into something, we tend to think that other people are too. So when I have conversations, you know, with people in the business world or wherever my walks may be that day, I have to be careful not to get too deep into Mothland because I can start talking at the level we are, and it freaks people out, especially if they're just familiar with the name Mothman. And, oh, that sounds neat. I've got this pin of this mothy guy with a big you know, red heart on him and that kind of a thing. But, yeah, it's, it's a much smaller community, obviously, than the UFO community is. In fact, to the point that uh, my friend Sam Maranto was at a, at a metaphysical presentation this last weekend. He gave his presentation first, and his was about correlations between Point Pleasant and the sightings from the 60s and some of the later phenomena that's manifested in recent years that's been called, you know, the Chicago Mothman. And they didn't know what the heck he was talking about. They didn't know much about Mothman. They really didn't know anything was going on today or that books were out about it or any of that business. So I think we tend to believe that it's maybe a bigger community than it really is, although it is on the rise. It's nowhere near as big as other things. Unfortunate that it becomes more popular years after the event when so few people are able to even tell us what happened. Right, right. And like I mentioned, the people that we interviewed, with the exception of Andy and Harriet, who weren't in Point Pleasant, but were in the Charleston area, everybody that we interviewed, these were secondhand folks. These these weren't people that were on the bridge. These weren't people that were in the car that was being chased by Mothman or people that were accosted by the men in black or Mary Heyer, even for that matter. She's been gone for over 50 years now. Those folks just aren't around. When the atmosphere around Point Pleasant is is completely different now than than it was back then. I mean, you have to realize in, in, in 1967, um, it was still, you know, a fairly isolated uh, community. Um, and uh, uh, I know uh, before the bridge went down that you would go through there at that time, and there was uh, just a, a an unusual air um, about the place that's completely different now. 
I mean, you know, now it's 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 hard to describe. It's you know, it, it it's open. It's 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 a beautiful place and very welcoming too. You know, and it kind of as you were saying that, I was thinking. You know, Keel talks a lot about window areas, you know, areas where these paranormal phenomena can come through. And so if we think of a window as, you know, an analogy, then maybe that window closed. Let's close this discussion for just a moment, and then we'll have Bill and Gene and Tim back. You're in the Paracast. are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. 
As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Yes, a window area, and you said the window may be closed, or maybe it only opens under the right circumstances which do not happen very often. By the way, Bill Kuslis is going to be back with the After the Paracast premium show because I have other questions to ask of him, and we're in the final segment of the main show. But that's another theory, I guess, we could voice. If there are window areas temporarily allowing some sort of travel between dimensions in the multiverse, are they always open or... Is it something that happens under certain circumstances? What? Whenever I hear people talk about there being a weird vibe out there, if it's weird, it's because people are kind. It's because it's a beautiful area. People are friendly. You have a nice time there. You don't have your workaday world to chase you down. I don't sense any weirdness there at all. And I mentioned that we had done some ghost box sessions. And I think I'm, I'm pretty skeptical, to be honest with you, of that type of technology. And what is it really telling me? Am I reading more into it than, than whatever signal I might be receiving? I don't know. But I just don't sense the weirdness in Point Pleasant. I sense a community that's thriving upon the weirdness and the legend. But I don't sense it being a, a place of any kind of remote and remotely close to evil or anything. I find it to be a very welcoming community, very kind-hearted, very open people. Have you ever had anybody tell you, anybody who's still alive, that you know uh, lived in the area around that time, that it was a different atmosphere? You know, at that time, that you know they they felt like that before the collapse of the Silver Bridge, that there was something. You know, hard to describe, but there was something going on. But now it's different. Now it's changed. One of the things I count myself as extremely fortunate is having had the opportunity to talk to Carolyn Harris. Because Carolyn, when she passed away just a few months after we met her at 74, she talked to us about UFOs. She talked to us about the men in black. And it was interesting the way that she described the men in black. I didn't remember this, but Jackie did. So I wish she could be with us here at the moment, but she just couldn't. She had recalled that Carolyn had told her, yeah, there were, there were men in black. She said, we thought they were, they were government men, but there were also those other ones, which means they weren't something that she thought were government men. They were different. 
you know, like I said, I don't recall that part of the conversation. Maybe she was just talking to Jackie or maybe as is in my habit, oftentimes I'm not paying attention. <laughs> That's entirely possible. But she basically told us there were different types of, of alleged men in black there, some that were government and some that were not. And she didn't go into detail about what that meant. Ah, uh, so many questions, so few answers. But such a fascinating topic. Indeed. I always wonder about men in black because it all comes out of a legend, which is Gray Barker encountering the claim from his friend Albert Bender that three men in dark suits or black told him to stop talking about UFOs, forgetting later on they ended up being space people. There were stories around the world about men in black. But why would government agents coalesce around some tiny little town? And by the way, I did some examination of Point Pleasant, and the population, unfortunately, is decreasing. So back in 2000, it was 4,600. 43-something by 2010, and in the 2020 census, over 4,100. That's sad. I guess it is still decreasing then. I I can share with you that I'll bet 10 years down the road, that's not going to be the case. Um, One of the ladies who we interviewed, her name is Susan Sayer, and she was talking a lot about, you know, certainly what Jeff Wamsley has done for the community of Point Pleasant with the festival and the museum. And his daughter now has a shop right down the street. And they've opened up another business or two as well. So Main Street has been really revitalized by this Mothman legend and what's happened there in recent years. But also that there's a group of young people in Point Pleasant where, to your point, for years the population has been decreasing. But there's a group of young people who are very entrepreneurial. They see the opportunity that this Mothman thing is really done for the community, and they're opening up businesses as well. And I want to say she said we opened nine new businesses in Point Pleasant this last year, and that was during the pandemic. So that's 2021. They were opening up businesses. So I I don't think they're still trending downward. I think they've kind of hit bottom, and they're on the way back up now. We just haven't seen it in the numbers yet. I think from a business standpoint, and it's it's all tourism now, as Denny says, the Gallup Police side, they've got the accommodations, but the Point Pleasant side has the tourism. And it's not just Mothman tourism. There's a lot of American history there. Fort Randolph was allegedly, and it's controversially known as the site of the first battle of the Revolutionary War with the whole skirmish between Lord Dunsmore and Chief Cornstalk, who we haven't even talked about yet. So there's American history there, and it's not even Civil War, it's Revolutionary War history. So it's a really neat place, not not just from the Mothman perspective, but from the, the terrain that's there and the business, and then also the American history. So if you were to uh, uh, tell somebody that uh, was wanting to go to Point Pleasant, uh, what would you tell them to look for? Well, you know, we talked a little bit about, well, a lot about the Mothman Museum. We talked about the TNT area. There's Camp Randolph. There is the Tuendi Way Park, which is right where the point is, the intersection of the Kanawha and Ohio rivers. The riverfront is absolutely gorgeous. There is a, what do you want to call it, like a theater seating type like stands like you'd have in a basketball game, almost like a half of a Coliseum type of thing where people sit. And Linda Lane, who is somebody else who's in our book, she had told us that every single night on the Gallup Police side, the Ohio side, 
that people gather just to sit down and go visit. So, I mean, just to kind of pick up that piece of Americana where people sit and visit and just chit chat and get to know people. I mean, they, they love to chew the fat. They do. So, I mean, if you're in, into uh, getting to know people in their own confines, so to speak, Point Pleasant is a great place to go just to talk to people. It's, it's just fascinating. There's another part. Point Pleasant had a lot of trouble in the 1900s with floods. So they built flood walls finally because they were tired of having the Ohio River overrun their entire town every 10 years or so. So they put these flood walls up and back several years ago, artists came in and they basically painted scenes on the riverfront side of the flood wall that depicted Chief Cornstalk and Lord Dunsmore and some of the skirmishes. And it's done very, very nicely. So that walk along the Ohio River to look at the flood wall is really, really neat. Hey, you know what was neat? This time we spent, we'll have more of it on After the Powercast right now. Bill, tell our listeners where we can find more of the stuff you do. So I can be found presently on Facebook. My wife and I have a research-based organization that we call Phenomenology Research Professionals. So we have a Facebook page for that. Most of my correspondence is on my personal Facebook page. That's Bill Kousalis. It's spelled K-O-U-S-O-U-L-A-S. Feel free to reach out to me there, either through private message or friend request. I'd be more than happy to correspond with you there. I'm going to break my confidence here. My phone number is even on that page as well. So I'm open to text messages, phone calls. Uh, our book is coming out. Again, it's, it's entitled Bridging the Tragedy, Silver Linings in the Mysterious Ohio River Valley, written by Jackie and me. The target date is right before the Mothman Festival, so probably right around the middle of September. So that's where you can find us. Hey, you can find us on Twitter if you look for the Powercast. Look for the Powercast on Facebook as a group. As a fan club, we have branded merchandise, four different logos to choose from. Just go to theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop for more information, great prices. We also offer the Paracast Plus, where you can get a version of this show with better quality audio, free of the network ads, plus the After the Paracast podcast, where we continue an interview or have special interviews, and Bill will be hanging out for us on that. We also have a special deal for the coupon code UFO20, UFO20. You can get a five-year or lifetime subscription to the Paracast Plus for a 20% discount. Go to theparacast.plus for more information. Theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Bill Kusilis, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.